throws near sideline, and it's intercepted. Intercepted, Kaylee Ringo at the 21, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, 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 Georgia. Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone, touchdown, Alabama wins. Seth Small, 10 of 11 on the year, from 28 yards away for an Aggie upset win. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to Student Section, a student media poll podcast. Your home for all things SEC football. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Student Section. I'm your host, Jack Duffy. I am a student journalist at the University of Georgia. I'm joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Michael Hull, a student journalist at the University of Florida. Uh, And Michael, we have college football to talk about this week. We have content. How are you doing today? I'm doing great for multiple reasons. We have week one right ahead of us. And in the rearview mirror, we had week zero, which our beloved Vanderbilt, our beloved Commodores, smacked Hawaii into the next century with a 63 to 10 victory. I mean, four win Vandy. Four four win Vandy. Tell your great grandkids about four win Vandy. That's one. They need three more. That's one. Already, week one, one win. They're unbeaten. If the college playoffs started today, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt would be in. That's all I'm saying. And like the the emphatic fashion that Vanderbilt just absolutely crushed Hawaii on the island, no less. Like that was beautiful. Me and Michael were texting back and forth throughout that game. I mean, when Hawaii started and it was like seven, nothing, I was, I was like, Oh no, this is not good. <laughs> and then you texted me. You're like four win Vandy is dead. I, I was, just, I was like, ye, ye of little faith. That was me at the moment. Um, it was. And then, and then they, they pulled through Clark Lee showed me what I needed. I, uh, I am very pleased with Mike Wright and that Vanderbilt Commodores offense. I mean, the dude did everything. Like, he threw and ran the ball. Like, he was their leading rusher, leading passer. I mean, they had 400 yards on the ground. Yeah. It's 600 total yards, 404 of them rushing. I mean, it was just – it was a steamroll. Plain and simple. Like, I mean, there's nothing else to say. It's just – it's Commodore football, football. baby. (laughs) I mean, that's all it is. And four win Vandy, I I feel like that's a lock now. It has to be. Oh, it's Um, a lock. I'm not. I might. I might rank Vandy, depending on what happens this week. I might do it. We got polls to release, man. We got polls to release. We got ballots to get out. (laughs) We do. But, yeah, no, that was a very – and I'm sure it was, like, just this cathartic experience for Vanderbilt fans because it's been, like, three years without, like, super entertaining football but that game for Vanderbilt was very entertaining um mm-hmm. just and it's their it's their first win since October 2nd yeah. of last year so like Vandy fans deserved this yeah 
And like I said before, it was just a rushing dominant performance. Like it was, it was literally like just a, a steam engine train, which makes sense because Cornelius Vanderbilt and trains, it's perfect. It all adds up. Vanderbilt's going to the promised land. Yes. And by promised land, I mean four wins. Four wins. And we then don't... next year, full eligibility, baby. Clark Lee's building something. Clark Lee is building. We've been saying this. We've been saying this since the start of the summer. Uh, but yeah, Vanderbilt, really clean performance. They, I mean, no turnovers, forced two turnovers, got three sacks, didn't allow any sacks. Um, just absolutely dominant performance out of the Commodores which is something we like to see when we made our bold take of four win Vandy. Uh, so applause to you, Clark Lee and Vanderbilt applause to you and your 35.3 quarter. That was absurd. Um, absolute masterclass, but yeah, that, so we, we had week zero. That was a little bit of an appetizer. We barely even an appetizer. It was just like a little bit of a, a, a taste test of what, is to come because this week week one we starting tomorrow when we're recording this on wednesday starting on thursday going until monday there is college football every single day <laughs> which i don't know about you michael but i am very excited about i will be glued to my tv um so and we got a lot of sec football to talk about um but we're going to go, we're going to throw it back to the first episode of this podcast last year, where we put out our predictions of awards, like offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year. Um, we're going to do it for 2022. So let's start with offensive player of the year. Michael, who is your pick? I mean, listen, I don't want to say Bryce Young. I don't want to, because that's just like, it's too obvious, you know? It feels like cheating. It feels like cheating to say Bryce Young and Will Anderson, even yeah. though that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with future first overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, no. Will Levis. <laughs> I will I'll, – I'll, I'll ride the Will train. You know, last year we had – we were okay on our picks last year. Pretty I was not – I picked JT Daniels and he didn't end up. They start. Did he start a game for Georgia last no, year? No, he start. He started two or three games before, like really getting replaced by Stetson. That's also why I just can't stand Stetson Bennett. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um, I like what Will Levis does. I think coming into his senior year in that Kentucky offense, we talked about Kentucky a little bit um, a few weeks ago. I think obviously they're going to be a more balanced team than you would want for a potential SEC offensive player of the year candidate. But if we're kind of going not Bryce Young, I thought, okay, Anthony Richardson has potential, but he's still young. He's still raw. Um, I don't maybe Spencer Rattler from USC. Uh, if we just wanted to go with the Ryan Haley selection, because that was his Heisman pick shout out, shout out Ryan. Ryan Haley. Um, I have to remind him of that once every week. I mean, there should. are a lot of transfers that came in. I just, I feel like Levis, he threw 24 touchdowns last year. He, I mean, he's a solid player. He looked good in the bowl game, um, 233 and a touchdown. I don't know, man. I feel like something about Will Levis 
he had he has rushing upside too, which is massive. Um, I was between him and Herndon Hooker at Tennessee. I kind of regret not taking Hooker as I talk more and more. Um, I think one of them, if you're not going Bryce Young, because Bryce Young is by far the favorite. I like Levis's low-key rushing upside. He's, as some people would say, he's sneaky athletic, you know? Um, <laughs> perfect sneaky perfect athletic mold. Perfect Will mold for Falcons Levis. QB. <laughs> he is the perfect mold for a Falcons QB. He's accurate with the football. I think if he can get Kentucky like to nine or ten wins, like we were talking about, I think Kentucky is either second or third in the SEC East this year, right there with Tennessee. Um, if he gets them into a New Year's Six Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right up there. Obviously, I think we'd both think that it's probably going to be Bryce Young, but if we're not picking Bryce, I wouldn't be surprised if Levis is right there as well. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned who you were also thinking about because that is exactly who I took. My offensive player of the year for not taking Bryce Young uh, is Hendon Hooker. I just love this guy out of Tennessee, and I hate Tennessee to begin with, but I, I love what they have at quarterback because now that he's got a full year's worth of experience and he's going to have a full season as being the starter, uh, that he put up three almost 3,000 yards and 31 touchdowns last year. Like, this guy has the ability to improve on that, which is it's crazy. Um, I think – Tennessee will be one of the top teams in the East if they're, they're going to be contending for second uh, and potentially like could knock off Georgia uh, if all, th- all cards fall the right way. But um, most case scenarios, they're competing for second in the SEC East. Um, and Hooker is the main reason why, I think, because he is uh, the driving force of that offense. Um, I think this this could easily be Bryce Young, but if I had to choose somebody else, uh, I think Hooker is is the guy because of what he will mean to the Tennessee offense and Tennessee team in general. Because I think he will put up video game numbers, to be honest, in that system. Um, and I I like what I see out of him. I I think there's also some honorable mentions you could throw out there. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama mm-hmm. is another product out of Alabama that could be good. Um, yeah, then, I think Jackson Dart is also really interesting if we want to go back to the lane train. Always on the lane train, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because Lane Kiffin's going to score points and Jackson Dart's talented. Um, so that's another guy I would definitely have my eye on. And the last guy I had here uh, was absolutely one of the best tight ends in, in the country last year, Brock Bowers. I mean – he could it's hard with George's tight end room because he he could easily just like like have a, a mediocre season because there's like four guys that could be getting the ball in that tight end room. Uh, but after the numbers he put up last year, I think he's going to do something very similar. So those are some guys to look out for on offense. But defensive player of the year, I got to be honest, Michael, I took the easy way out because Will Anderson's the best player in college football. <laughs> that's not fun we both know it's going to be willing you, you can talk about you can talk about him go ahead i mean this man if the heisman was a fair fight he'd be the heisman winner last year and he'd be contending for another one this year like uh i 
17 and a half sacks, uh, 100 total tackles last year. Alabama's defense itself will thrive because Will Anderson will att- attract so much gravity um, that everybody else will be able to. And that's why I also mention my honorable mentions. One of them is Dallas Turner because he put up pretty good numbers. I think it was eight sacks in his, his first real year. Um, and I think he'll do better because Will Anderson's attracting so much attention by offenses. Um, but yeah, Will Anderson, I mean, he's the guy, he, he's the guy pick it. I would say Will Anderson's the pick, but also you could go with, uh, with a guy who I think will be the best defensive lineman in America this year, Jalen Carter, uh, coming in to replace Devonte Wyatt, Jordan Davis on that Jordan, our Georgia defensive line. Uh, he reminds me of a modern day Warren Sapp. Uh, I, I love the guy. Like, I think he'll be really successful in the NFL, but I think he'll be one of the best defensive linemen in America this year. So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's Will Anderson. Um, I was looking at Jalen Carter. I think he'll also step up in the absence of Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Um, Cause he was one of the most talented players on that line last year. And you saw all the first round picks and all the talent that defense had, he was up there with the most talented already. Um, I'm going to go back to my pick last year, my dark horse pick from last year, Bretton Cox, <laughs> UF. I just can't quit him. No. Uh, he had eight and a half sacks last year. Like he put up numbers, um, but was re- what was really encouraging was the end of his season. He had a sack against Samford, a sack against Mizzou, four sacks against FSU, and a sack in the bowl game against UCF. So it was four straight games with at least a sack. Um, he got ramped up more and more, obviously former five-star from UGA before he transferred to UF. I think that where he's going to play, um, in the new UF three, three, five defense under Billy Napier. I really think that he has a good shot of just hounding the quarterback every single game. Um, you saw Zach Carter also took a lot of sacks last year. Cox was getting to the quarterback. He was getting pressure, but sacks are a bit of a pickle stat. Um, You know, getting a QB pressure, you're not always there right in time. You might make an impact on the play, but you're not getting that last just little bit. You can do 99% of it right, but if the quarterback gets gets the throw off to throw it away, it's not a sack. Stat book doesn't remember it. Cox was doing a lot of that last year. Um, I like his pedigree. I like his drive. I like his build. I think that Brenton Cox, if I'm giving a dark horse, that's not Will Anderson because I'm not going to take the easy way out. Um, like some people here, hey. I think, I think Brenton Cox is up there. I also think that bumper pool um, from Arkansas, he is, has back-to-back seasons of a hundred plus tackles. Dude's a tackling machine. I think that's also a name to look out for. Yeah. And I, I forgot to mention another name I had written down was BJ Ojolari out of LSU. I think he's, he's a really good um, staple defensive end of that LSU defense and like something that they, Brian Kelly can really like hang their, hang his hat on with that defense uh, coming into this year. So I, I think he's a name to look out for as well, which leads us to coach of the year. Um, and now, I mean, you'll have the Nick Sabans and the Kirby Smarts of the world 
that are going to be going 12 and 0, 11 and 1. Um, so, Michael, I'm curious to hear who you have as your coach of the year. That's a great question. I've been going back and forth on this because I don't think it'll be a saving or smart. That's usually not yeah. where coach of the year goes. I'm going to go with Josh Heupel. I'm going to go with Josh Heupel at Tennessee. I don't know if that was your pick or not. I know you're talking up hooker a lot. I do think that Tennessee is right there in the SEC East um, with Georgia. And I think, I think they finished second. Um, I could see Kentucky being there as well. But with what he was able to do with that program last year and the momentum they have going in, like I like I said on our preview show, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this team wins nine or ten games. Um, New Year's Six Bowl, if they have a few big wins, I think Heupel is – maybe he's not the clear favorite behind the Sabins and the smarts of the world, but I think he's a guy that by, you know, November – you're looking at it like, oh, this is this is the SEC coach of the year. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he has that locked up. Yeah, so it's funny. It's really funny because you went with Will Levis on your quarterback or your offensive player. We did player the same thing. thing last year, didn't we? I, I we like might we have done the exact same thing because I'm going with Mark Stoops as my coach of the year. We flip-flop with our Tennessee-Kentucky pick. We definitely did because I think I picked – um, I picked the lane train as coach oh, of the last year, and, and I, I picked, picked Matt that, Corral, JT Daniels, and you picked Corral and Kirby. You're you're so right. Oh my gosh, we 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 do the exact same thing every year. Um, itself. But obviously, this year we're pretty high on Tennessee and Kentucky competing for second in the SEC East. But either team could potentially see themselves competing with Georgia if all the cards fall. Um, and I think the way and, and this kind of plays into how the offseason happened for Kentucky with all of the drama with John Calipari and Mark Stoops. I mean, Mark Stoops has turned Kentucky into a really good, good football program. And even if 10 and two may be the ceiling for the Wildcats, that's three 10 win seasons in five years at Kentucky, which is unheard of. Uh, and I don't think it should go unnoticed. I think uh, Stoops, should probably win this award if they win 10 games and are in contention for a new year's six bowl. Um, I, I really see that as a possibility because I think Kentucky will be in every single game they play. Um, They may drop one or two that they should win. and, And then this award doesn't really go to Mark Stoops, but potentially if they win those games, uh, they go 10 and two, maybe even an 11 and one. Uh, if they're lucky, I think Mark Stoops gets this award. And I, I think he's very deserving, especially of that job he's done rebuilding that Kentucky program from the ground up. So, yeah, we, we go flip flop on, on our offensive players of the year and coach of the years again uh, for the second straight year, which leads us drum roll to our game talk for week one we are back and we have some really interesting week one games there's a a bunch of sec games where teams are double digit favorites i mean we got tennessee ball state all all those random nonsense games that the sec teams should win by a lot but then you have a couple of high key matchups that we're going to talk about and we're going to lead off with 
one of the best ones, a top 11 matchup between Georgia and Oregon in what is a neutral? Not a neutral site game. Neutral? It's in Atlanta. It is it's not a neutral site game. It it's, is a Georgia home game that just happens to be playing in the Falcons stadium. Yes, like, it's, let's basically, just call it. it's basically a home game for the defending national champions coming off and starting their national title defense. Um, and Georgia is a 17 and a half point favorite for this game. Uh, obviously Oregon new coach, Dan Lanning was the former defensive coordinator during the national championship run. So knows Georgia very well. Uh, and Kirby smart knows Dan Lanning very well. Then we have the transfer quarterback at Oregon who I have officially dubbed Bo ducks, uh, um, I, I don't know, Michael, if you have another. You know, name. someone some would call him O'Nix. Uh, that's it. That's also a good one. That's also a good um, one. O'Nix, Bo Ducks, whatever you want to call him. Yes. He's there now. He's he's at Oregon. And Dan Lanning has said he won't start, he won't name his starting quarterback. But Kirby also in his press conference earlier this week was like, we know who's starting at quarterback. So we're pretty sure it's going to be Bo, Bo Nix. Uh, and we will uh, see how that goes. Michael, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of this matchup. Yeah, I mean, 17 and a half is a lot of points. Obviously, Georgia is going to be strong. They lost, like we were saying before, a ton of pieces on defense. But a team like that, they'll reload. The defense won't be what it was last year. And that's not a bad thing because last year was the possibly the best defense we've ever seen. Um, definitely in the last 10, 15 years. So, obviously, the defense will quote-unquote struggle a little bit I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say um who knows what Stetson Bennett's gonna look like I know that you've come around on him over the last year or so um because I remember a time where you were not his biggest fan no uh (laughs) but like you were talking about earlier that tight end room is terrifying they have weapons all over the place um and I don't think Dan Lanning's team will be ready to play with that quite yet mm-hmm. i do like the hire um they just have they have a lot of new pieces obviously they have to replace cave on thibodeau on the defensive end they have to replace multiple running backs they have a new quarterback in there in onyx um so i just 17 and a half is a lot i think georgia wins and i think they cover like if i were a betting man i think it would be somewhere along the lines of like 34 to 14, something like that. I don't see Oregon's offense doing too much. Then again, maybe Bo Nix pulls a Bo Nix that he does once every few seasons and has the game of his life. Um, But I wouldn't be betting on that. I think this is a pretty easy Georgia win. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think this is going to be a Georgia win where you could definitely see a cover uh, 17 and a half is obviously a large uh, point spread against the top 11 team uh, week one, anything can happen really. Um, but this Georgia team is so talented in the way they recruit. Um, they're going to be young, which is where I think some of their uh, inexperience will come into play maybe even later in the season, but I, I see this game being kind of close for the first half because I think w- with the way Dan Lanning can scheme, like 
he knows this Georgia offense and like better than anybody because he had to go and practice against them every single freaking day last year. Um, he knows this Georgia team. I think he'll be able to keep it close for a half because you can hide a lot of talent gap issues for the first half of a game um, when everybody's at, at full strength and, and ready to go. Um, I think they, he will have a plan that does that. And Oregon could even see themselves with the lead at halftime. But I, I think coming into the second half, that's where Georgia's depth at every single freaking position shows, whether it's tight end, defensive line, uh, linebacker, offensive line, there will be depth at every single position that, that I just don't think Oregon can keep up with and they'll kind of run out of steam. And so that's why I went with my prediction of 38-17. That's a 21-point win. So if you're doing the math, Georgia covers. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a game where uh, you see Georgia's defense not obviously at the same level as it was last year, but they're still very much a good team uh, and so a team to look out for in the, the playoff conversation as well uh, coming into 2022, which leads us to the game in the swamp, uh, the big one. I, I like this game a lot because I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people are expecting. Obviously, the line is Utah is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So Vegas sees this as a close game, too. Um, but on paper, it kind of looks like Utah should win this game because, they're I mean, they're a top-ten team um, coming into the season, reigning Pac-12 champions, looking to win another. Um, but Florida, first game under Billy Napier, Michael, I mean – can Florida do this? I uh, I want to play an audio real quick, if that's okay. okay. That's okay. That... <laughs> if if this is not coming through, it came through a little bit. I don't know if that if that got. Um, so you may have to edit that. We we will we could potentially edit that in. <laughs> if if that didn't catch, it's fine. That was just the sound of the swamp, and that's something Utah has never experienced before. Um, no offense to the Pac-12, no offense to Eugene, Oregon. I'm sure they get rowdy up there, but coming down to the SEC, coming down to Gainesville, it's a different animal. It's a very real thing. Florida has lost just two home games in the last two years. They lost because of a shoe throw in 2020 to LSU, and they lost because of a missed field goal last year to a missed PAT, excuse me, to Alabama last year. You know, the Alabama that made the national championship. And it was a rebuilding year, though. Oh, you're right. But yeah. it was also the year that Florida got blown out by LSU at LSU, got blown out by South Carolina out South Carolina, got their coach fired. It was one of the worst years in pro in recent program memory. Yeah. And they were a two-point conversion away from beating Alabama. Um, the swamp is a very real thing. And I think there's a lot of energy surrounding the Billy Napier program. There's a lot of energy surrounding this team. Obviously, Anthony Richardson. Um, I don't know if they win because Utah's a very, very good team. They're a very experienced team. Um but I do think the line is right. Um, 
two and a half. Like it makes sense. If this game was in Utah, it'd probably be a 10 point spread or so. Um, I like that Vegas is taking into account the swamp because I do think that will be a huge factor in this game. Um, momentum is a very real thing. I think if Utah can keep their stay ahead of the chains, I think if they can keep it third and short, not many third down situations, then they can control the game and win the game, kind of take the crowd out of it a little bit. But mm -hmm. if that UF defense can, can show up, if they can get them into some third and seven, third and eight, third and long situations, um, I mean, you saw how it rattled Alabama last year. There was a play. They were going to go for it on fourth and goal at the one. And the Florida, Florida fans got loud enough, and they messed up Bryce Young and Nick Saban and forced a false start, forced Alabama to kick a few goal. Um, things like that happen, and that makes a difference. Fans make a difference in this game. Um, I'm not going to predict a Florida victory. So I guess with a line of three – Utah will probably cover if they win, but I think it's something like, man, I think it's like 28 to 24, 24, 21. Like it's going to be a very, very close game. Something that I don't think a lot of people are expecting. I think people see that line and they think it's a, they think it's a rat line. They're like, Oh, this is a easy, no doubter. Um, just, just think a little bit. I would avoid this game if I were betting. Obviously, I'm not in a state where betting's legal um, and working for an NFL team. You're actually not allowed to bet on college sports. Um, True. Fun fact. But <laughs> I would I would just I wouldn't touch this game. I would enjoy it. 7 p.m. on ESPN. I think it's going to be a really well fought game, really hard fought game on both sides. Um, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole if I was betting, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think. And this is something that I really think that Florida could pull off a statement first win in the Billy Napier era. Um, if you look at Utah, they're the more physical team up front on the lines at the moment. I, I think obviously Billy Napier is recruiting to change that, but it's hard to do that year one, week one, and, and just like make up for the the talent that you're missing there. I think Utah's the more physical team there. So it's going to put pressure on Anthony Richardson uh, to make plays, but he's got the athleticism to do it. That's, that's the thing. Um, he's very capable of going on the run, making plays with his feet uh, and making good throws on the run. I, I think the best thing, as Michael alluded to, the best thing that Florida has going for them is this home crowd. Uh, because it's week one. It's a brand new season. Everybody's zero and zero. Florida fans are hopeful again. We are, we're going to be like back and everybody's going to be rowdy and, and uh, it's going to be crowded, full sellout crowd, I'm assuming. Um, oh, yeah, it sold out a few weeks ago, I yeah. believe. Big, big power five matchup. I mean, I think this sets up for Florida to pull an upset when nobody is really expecting it because they see a top 10 team in Florida unranked and they're like, well, Utah should roll. Right. I, and, and I think that's the prediction I'm going with. I think I'm going with a Florida upset in week one, um, which. Wow. Listen which, to the Georgia writer picking the Gators. I, I like the matchup for the Gators. I really do. I, I, I think do too. I, I, 
I think it sets up well. And the fact that this is in the swamp makes all the difference. I think, but but I, I say I pick an upset, but I think it's like the closest of margins for an upset. Oh, my, absolutely. My score prediction is 28 to 27. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think this is like, I think the line is spot on. I, I really think this is a super, super close game, uh, which is, which makes for good TV. It makes for good football. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Florida gets that, that statement first win under Billy Napier. Yeah, I um, I'm excited for it. I'll be there. I'll be a fan there. I'm not covering the football team this year, um, so I just I get to enjoy it. Um, I'm super excited. I think watching that defense led by Patrick Tony, um, co-defense coordinator and, and safeties coach, I think that'll be really that'll be key if Florida can force two or more turnovers. I think they win this game. Yeah. They return both of their safeties. They return. Obviously, Brenton Cox, um, they're young on the back end, especially in the cornerback room. So maybe Utah can take advantage of that. Um, but they're very experienced in the linebacking group. That'll help with the run defense. Obviously, sixth-year man now, then Trill Miller, fifth-year man, Amari Bernie. Um, they have a lot of experience up front, or specifically at the linebacker group, a little concerned along the defensive line besides Brenton Cox and Gervin Dexter. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see. It also looked very different than Florida offenses of years past, um, where, you know, 2020, you had Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Traven Grimes, Kadarius Tony, all of these aerial weapons. Billy Napier's a run first guy. I think he ran the ball around 60% of the time at uh, UL last year. I don't think it'll be that aggressive at UF. I think it'll probably be like 55, 45, 50, 50, somewhere in there. Um, but when you have a mobile quarterback like Anthony Richardson, you can get him on option plays, RPOs, bootlegs, stuff like that. Get him comfortable in this game. Um, I think Florida has a really good shot. They have to start fast, which is something that, you know, Mullen teams would struggle with. Um, it'll be it'll be really fun. I think that's my I, I, that's not a prediction, but I think that's my prediction. It will be fun. It'll be close throughout. Um, I think. Man, I said Utah, but then I heard you talking and you picked Florida. Um, I'll stick with <laughs> I know, Utah. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the Georgia guy. I know, I'll stick with Utah just because I don't know what the Napier team is going to look like. Yeah. But I think either way, it um, Florida fans should come out of this weekend feeling like, okay, like we're in a good spot. If they win, yeah. incredible. If they lose close, I think you can say to yourself, Utah's the number seven team in the country. They've been a trendy sleeper for the college football playoff. Like I think, I think either way, Florida has something to take out of this weekend. That is positive. Yeah. It's, it's all about setting the tone, which I mean, Dan Mullen did not do very well (laughs) in his tenure. Um, That's putting it lightly. Yeah. That's that we we've talked so much about Dan Mullen. We don't need to get into that, but it's about setting the tone. and, And no matter what, if you keep this game close, if you're Florida, that's a win. That's a win. Um, if this game isn't within three or four points by the by the time the final buzzer hits, like that, that's definitely a win for the Gators. Which which leads us to my sleepy, really good matchup of the week: Arkansas Cincinnati, which it's at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I 
Cincinnati's coming off a college football playoff appearance, but lost nine guys to the draft. They're going to come out with something. They're feeling like they have something to prove just to be like, hey, we're still here. We're, we weren't a one, one and done. We weren't a one-time thing. And Arkansas has been slowly creeping back up into this national conversation under Sam Pittman. Michael, I'm curious to hear what you think of this game and, and how you see this going. Yeah, Cincinnati did lose a lot of people, obviously. They lost Desmond Ritter, Alec Pierce, a lot of guys on the defensive side as well, Sauce Gardner. Um, but they return all of their offensive line. Like, all five starters are back. That's huge. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Arkansas was the best rushing offense in the SEC last year, and I don't think that changes this season. Um, I don't know if Cincinnati can keep up with that as the game goes along. I do think it'll be close. I would give the edge to Arkansas. Um, I think Sam Pittman, like we've talked about before, we both love Sam Pittman on this podcast. They're building something very, very great down there. Um, They did lose Traylon Burks, but KJ Jefferson, like he looked good last season. I mean, he threw 21 touchdowns, just four picks, 600 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. Um. Yeah, I think that Arkansas wins this game. I do think it's close. Um, I I think there's a bit of a hangover for Cincinnati, but that's kind of to be expected when they lose that many guys. Uh, I do think, though, the game being in Fayetteville gives the edge to the Razorbacks. I, yeah. A score prediction, I mean, I think it's around a touchdown. Vegas has this game at, what, six, six and a half? Six points was Arkansas. So yeah, um, man, I want to say I don't think it's that high scoring because these are both these are, are two very like stout physical teams. It'll be mm-hmm. like more of a grounded pound kind of game. I, I want to say like twenty four seventeen somewhere mm-hmm. around there. I think it's around a touchdown game. So pick Arkansas to cover, but not feeling super confident about that. Arkansas wins. I don't know about covering though. Yeah, so that that's where I think you and I kind of disagree on this game because I well, I think Cincinnati lost nine guys. Like the the talent, it's not the same level of playoff talent. I I really think Luke Fickle's gonna come out with his guys and be like, we have something to prove here. Um we we lost in the playoffs, but we made it. We don't want to be that group of five team that gets lost in the history books. Uh, because we made one playoff appearance way back when and never did anything after that. And I think Luke Fickle is a good coach. He should be probably coaching a Power 5 program, which Cincinnati will be very soon when they join the Big 12. Um, but I think Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, they're going to they're gonna try and prove they're building something legit. I still think this is a spot where Arkansas should win the game because it's in Fayetteville. Um, they're returning a lot of talent. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cincinnati keeps this within a field goal. Um, and my score prediction was 27, 24, uh, which has Cincinnati covering the point spread, but Arkansas winning the game. I, uh, I think Arkansas wins this game. And I think week one kind of plays into it too. Uh, there's some rust to knock off both sides, uh, it should be a fun game, and I, I think it's a sneaky good matchup where we could see an upset potentially. Um, 
if Cincinnati is it comes out and is on fire, right? So we'll we'll see how that one goes, which leads us to the last game I really want to talk about. Um LSU FSU, which I believe this is a Sunday night game. This is a Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. So the one game on Sunday night is LSU FSU, if you're into that sort of thing. Um it's football. Uh LSU is a three-point favorite. Um and Michael, we, we talked so extensively about LSU last week and Brian Kelly. So extensively. We know so much about this team. We know so much about LSU uh, and what Brian Kelly brings to the table. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you think of this matchup against the Seminoles. It's a great question. Yeah. It's a great question. Because I have no idea what either of these teams are like. Right. FSU beat Duquesne. I don't think I'm even saying that right. They beat them. And no, Wazio. it's Duquesne. It's Duquesne. Duquesne? Okay, yeah. good. I don't think you can get much from that. No. Um, it's a neutral site game. It's in New Orleans. Um, so kind of kind of it's more neutral than Oregon and Georgia. That's true. All right. That's true. Um I have no idea. Like I really just I have no idea. Um, I, I want to say LSU just because I think Brian Kelly wants to make a statement in his opening game. Um, I still think FSU is kind of in a rebuilding mode, and I don't know if they can. I don't know if they have the bodies, they have the guys to keep up with the athletes that LSU has yet. I do think they're building in the right direction. Um, I think the spread of plus of LSU being a three-point favorite I would take LSU to cover in that situation. Um, maybe this is some bias coming out of me from the Florida perspective, but FSU didn't cover last week. To be fair, it was a 45-point spread, and they won by 40, but still yeah. didn't cover. Um, but again, like this is not analysis. Like I'll just be honest. I don't, I don't know anything about LSU. And I, until we see Brian Kelly's squad in action – that's going to have to be my answer. I'm going to say LSU covers. I think it's a probably seven or 10 point victory. Um, over under 54 and a half. I think that goes over. I would say probably like 34, 24, somewhere around there. Um, because LSU returns some offensive production. Obviously, they lost Ty Davis Price. Um, they still have potentially one of the best receivers in the country in Keishon Butte. Um, I've seen him going as the top receiver off the board in some NFL mock drafts. I think that makes a big difference. I don't know if FSU has the guys on the back end to cover that yet. Um, so yeah, I'll go LSU, but again, who, 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 who's to say, who's to say until we see Ryan Kelly's squad out there. I think they want to make a statement though. Yeah. And, and, you know, Mike Norvell has been underwhelming at FSU. I, I, I know, he needs to get his act together or he's going to be on the hot seat. So I think that potentially plays into this, but also at the same time, like I feel like LSU has recruited well, despite not showing up on the field, if that makes sense, like under Edo after the national championship, they still recruited well and they have talent. Um, And that's where I kind of see the difference in this game being, it's just like, there's a talent gap there between LSU and FSU because LSU has been 
recruiting well despite not showing it on the field. And FSU has kind of just been mediocre middling around uh, when it comes to talent and recruiting. So, like, while I see this could potentially be a, a sloppy game, I mean, it's the first game under Brian Kelly uh, and a new system. It could definitely be sloppy. LSU might be undisciplined. Um, they're trying to gain their footing. I, I think the the talent that LSU has will shine and will pull through. Uh, they will be able to make plays that I don't know that FSU can. And so with that, my prediction is LSU wins and covers 28 to 21. Um, I think, you know, there, there's a good chance that LSU could be a decent team this year. I, I mean, who's to say? <laughs> Who is to say at this point? Um, but yeah, that those are the the four really high profile matchups in the SEC this week. Michael, are, are do you have any thoughts on any other games potentially? I know Alabama plays Utah State, which is at their big big favorite, but also Utah State's been a, a decent Group of Five team in years past. Um. I mean, no, like most of these games, Utah State struggled with UConn last week. Yeah. Um, So that's going to be an absolute slaughter. I mean, you know, Mizzou and LA Tech on Thursday night, LA Tech has been decent in the past. Um, I think Mizzou still wins, even though we both agree that Mizzou will not be a good football team this year. Um, I'm interested to watch Hooker, Heupel, and Tennessee uh, at seven on or seven Eastern on Thursday against Ball State, not because I think they'll lose, but just because I want to see that offense. Um, will Vandy have a hangover, a week one hangover? Who's who's who knows? Traveling, traveling back to Nashville from Hawaii against Elon. I mean, have um, they ever been in this position before? No. I don't think so. No. I don't think they've ever come off a sixty-three to ten week one victory in Hawaii. That's what I'm um, saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's unprecedented. <laughs> unprecedented territory for probably every team in the country yeah i don't yeah. know if any team has ever won 63 to 10 at hawaii and had to fly back to nashville for week two against elon yeah like vanderbilt's making history um i do think they win i think whatever the line ends up being they cover um because you know roll commodores roll commodores but yeah you know it's a week one slate obviously there are some good games um Obviously, there there's some stinkers because that's just kind of how week one rolls. Yeah. But I'm I'm just I'm just excited, man. I'm excited okay. for I'm excited to be in the swamp on Saturday night. I'm excited to watch Georgia, Oregon. I'm excited to watch Cincy, Arkansas. I'm just I'm excited because football's back. Football's back. I'm I'm excited. I got a student ticket for the Benz, so I will be among the students. Uh, and right before we sign off. I want to introduce a new segment to the show. Uh, we are going to be taking a kind of competition approach to season two of student section. So, Michael, I tasked you with finding one lock of the week. We're going we're gonna to have a segment, our locks of the week, uh, where we each pick one lock, betting lock, whether it's spread or maybe an, a money line upset. Uh, and we're going to kind of compare, go have however many predictions throughout the season, 12 to 15, however many, uh, and we're going to see who wins at the end of the season. So 
I don't know if you guys are into that sort of thing. We're doing it anyway. Um, Michael, who is your lock of week one? Yeah, so I don't know. This might be yours. I'm not sure. Um, but the line I'm looking at right now, Kentucky's only a 16 and a half point favorite against Miami of Ohio. I feel like that's just super low. I mean, I was I was also considering Old Miss uh 20 only a 21 and a half point favorite against Troy. I think they'll cover that one too. But like we were just talking about earlier, we both like Kentucky a lot. I have Levis as my sleeper for SEC offensive player of the year. You have Stoops as your coach of the year. Um, I think they come out and beat the brakes off of Miami, Ohio, which probably not saying too much. No offense to Maction. We love Maction, but it's a different level of competition here. Um, they didn't play an SEC team in 2021. The closest thing they played was Cincinnati, and they lost 49 to 14. I think Kentucky is able to easily handle them and easily cover that spread. So I'll, I'll make Kentucky my week one lock of the week. I like that. I like that. And that wasn't actually my lock of the week. I'm deciding I'm going with the Cincinnati pick. I'm going to go Cincinnati covers the six points. I, I really like this Cincinnati team. I like Luke Fickle a lot. And I think it being week one, there's a really good chance that Arkansas comes out flat despite being at home. Um, so I think six points. I think a Sam Pittman team will come out flat. Uh, listen, I, it's week one. Anything can happen. It's week one. It is week one. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I really think that this game is closer than about a touchdown. I, I think this could be anywhere between four points and a Cincinnati win. Um, so I, I have to take Cincinnati plus six. And that is my lock of the week. So we will see how we do next week and we will come back with more locks as we continue this season long competition i'm assuming i'm going to win because obviously like my picks are just so much better um but you know i i, I, I mean i think i'm i think i'm going to be up one zero after uh, this week no I, I no <laughs> we'll see we'll but see yeah, it's exciting exciting week of college football coming up and and i'm excited to to be in the bends and, and watch that georgia oregon game uh but also to watch so many matchups from thursday to monday literally i'm just so excited to to finally have that amount of content back and um it'll be good michael as we wrap up and we get ready to to kick off the college football season tell the people where they can find you as always, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Hall 33. Um, I'll be tweeting Gators. I'll be tweeting Jaguars. Um, I'll be tweeting some Saints stuff still because I'm going to be helping out their PR staff. Um, I'm also going to be hosting the Alligator Sports Podcast this semester. So like I said before, if for some reason you like listening to my voice, um, even if not, even if you want to just play the first 60, 65 seconds, so it shows a little listen, we yeah. need to pump those numbers up um, because right now it's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, the numbers, they're not good. We're getting, we're, we're not, to be getting, honest, they're not good. <laughs> we're not even getting dozens of listeners right now. Um, we're, we're getting listener. So it's not great. 
Um, <laughs> so listen to the Alligator Sports Podcast. A new one should be dropping, I believe, today, Wednesday, once I finish editing it. Um, <laughs> so I'll be hosting that. I'll be writing some columns. I wrote a column on Billy Napier and recruiting just yesterday. That came out. So that's on my Twitter account if you want to read that. Michael underscore Hall 33. Follow Alligator Sports. Uh, follow this podcast, Stud what is it again? Stud SEC SMP. Um, follow student media 25 for all your student media poll needs. Obviously Jack will talk a lot more about the whole podcast army that he's making over there. Um, so Jack, your turn. Yeah, I appreciate it. You should absolutely go follow Michael. I mean, he, the column he wrote yesterday was, was really good stuff. Um, I, you can follow me at Jack Duffy on on twitter i tweet a lot about georgia sports and we'll be tweeting a lot about georgia football this weekend i'm sure um but yeah we at student at the student media poll have launched a podcast network which in the next two weeks will be like pretty much fully up and running uh we we've announced 11 different shows including student section um which so excited for uh, you should absolutely go follow at Student Media 25 for all of the updates on this podcast network and what shows are coming out and what episodes we're putting out. Um, very excited. We have a, a lot of really uh, diverse and, and committed uh, poll voters who are now starting to host shows, which we we had this idea back in January for this podcast network and it's kind of kind of all coming to fruition. So it's, it's really cool to see. So follow at student media 25 for that. Follow this podcast at uh, stud sec SMP uh, because we are, are back and we will be releasing more and more weekly content uh, as the season goes on. So yeah, uh, very excited for this college football season and, and we're happy to be back and getting going so with that uh follow this podcast come come back next week as we we talk more sec football